It's weird how Spider-Man is calm, but man spiders. Weird. Have you seen have the you pictures? Seen man, spider. man spider is, is seen... an abomination to God and man. Honestly, okay, it's like I'm just gonna look at man spider. Again with another episode of Art Mythos, African mythology told through art. We're your hosts, Solomon and Adra, Adra and Solomon. Someone once asked me why we keep remixing it, and it's because there's no hierarchy here, you know. It's and it's hella fun to say, so progressive and all that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, today we're joined by David Adaby. Any opening remarks um, for our guests? Um, hello everyone. I'm really, really glad to be here. I'm a uh, massive lo- uh, love, well, first fan of the show, fan of the podcast. I've been listening from day dot. Um, and I'm just a fan of stories, mythic stories, of uh, um, folk tales, uh, moralistic tales. And, you know, it's just a part of our people. It's a part of my uh, family, um, all tradition and all of that. So I'm here to talk stories. Yeah, yeah. honestly, yeah, we love it. And yeah. yeah, happy to have you here. <laughs> we're glad to have you here. Yeah, you stole my bit. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, so today, episode seven, we'll be exploring the OG Spider-Man, the Ghanaian mythological legend, Anansi. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Unless you have arachnophobia, then, you know, it's kind of long for you. But listen, you know, he's half man, so that balances it off. Or maybe it makes it worse. I don't know, but yeah, sit back, relax, and listen to the stories. It's not like man spider. Like Spider Man, we can chill with, but man spider is a nightmare fuel. It's hella ugly. That's uncomfortable stuff. That's so weird how Spider Man is calm, but man spider is. Have you seen the pictures? Man spider spider is is an abomination to God and man. Honestly, it's like. I'm just going to look at man spider real quick. Weirdly enough, it's actually closer to our depiction of Anansi. Is it? (laughs) Weirdly enough, it is. It is. Okay, so before we start, um, I was just wondering what our first encounters with stories of Anansi are. So this might sound like a TikTok video, but I'll start. Mine was that episode of Static Shock, you know, when he goes to Ghana and he meets um, the superhero um, who's a Nancy. And I remember it just looked so cool. And, you know, he was a trickster and you're such an interesting character. Um, And, you know, it's really interesting to see, especially in mainstream media. So, David, what was your first encounter of a Nancy? Um... The one that stands out the most is, I used to read a lot of, like, Neil Gaiman has a wonderful series of um, portrayals of different uh, mythic stories. And Neil Gaiman's portray- like, portrayal of the Nancy boys and the stories he told around those um, those Ghanaian stories, like, that's, that's the one that stands out the most. I'm sure there were um, bits and bobs here and there as I was reading through some of the, um, like we'd have these books in the library where you'd read through the Egyptian myths, the West African myths. And I'm sure like I'd pick up, I picked up some here and there, but mainly Neil Gaiman's portrayal and Nancy Boys. That's, that's, that's my um, initial interaction. Mm. Oh, cool. That's very cool. Um, and Adra, as our honorary Ghanaian, when was the first time you heard about Anansi? Huh? <laughs> um, 
It's weird because I can't like pinpoint an exact time I first heard about him. Mm, okay. Obviously, like growing up in Ghana, I feel like he was always there. Uh, uh. Sounds like I mean? a cop out, but okay. no, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely cannot remember the first time someone sat me down. And was like, "This is a story about Nancy." But okay. I just remember like always hearing stories with his name in them. Mm. Was it ever bedtime stories? Ooh. The thing is, <laughs> I don't think I ever got read bedtime stories. Okay. Sorry to my parents if they did read me and I just forgot. <laughs> I, was but, like, I like, don't remember. I, I honestly don't. I just remember like, um, you know, books you get with like fables and mm. like little mm. cartoon things about like tortoise in the hair and stuff mm. like that. Yeah. And like his stories would be in there. And, okay. Yeah. And maybe probably cartoons as well. I feel like there's a lot of cartoons that like had Nancy the spider in them. Mm, mm, mm. Um, that do yeah. be true. You know, another one is, have you watched American Gods? Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. That, yeah. I'm going to talk about that later, yeah, but no that is, yeah. Oh, so that's what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 I, I just remember there was that scene where, you know, it's a Nancy and um, I think some slaves were praying to him and he comes and he basically <laughs> tells them to jump off the ship yeah, because gonna say that. dying is better than being slaves. And that sent chills up my spine. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, yeah. mainstream media um, yeah. depictions of a Nazi. Okay, David. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, I think I actually mentioned this in an episode previously, but I heard yeah, that you yeah, guys you used to capture spiders and um, make them battle to the death. Gladiator. Okay, could mm. you, you know, expand? Um, as, as you are when you're young, you're curious about the world. You're curious about, the, especially like, hey, like Pokemon and Digimon were, uh, formative experience of our childhood mm-hmm. and the, the, um, like the experience of these things were no. literally capturing critters and no. doing battle with them do you know what I'm not going to get that because I, I used to watch Pokemon and all that stuff I used to capture ants and I used to feed them like sugar and honey I never let them battle I never did anything like the point of Pokemon no, no, is no, catching no. them all and doing brutal battle with these cute critters Honestly, till death I, I until that Let's say if by chance we happen to be on TV and you happen to put David Attenborough soundtrack behind it, explaining it, then it's okay. But no, 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 you make them fight each other and now you're the bad guy. Is that so wrong? Um, you guys are psychopaths. It all starts Ouch. somewhere. You know, Ouch. serial killers start killing cats. You guys started with spiders. I all I'm saying is, you know, check check your closet. Second secondly, let's say you're Tom and Jerry. That woman, she brought in Tom into the house to kill Jerry. So yes? I don't like this line. I don't like this like <laughs> this is <laughs> Yes, no. I guess all I'm saying is that we were just trying to breed the strongest spider to be able to do the best job in the house. This sounds... Okay, so I see what you mean by psychopath because this sounds like some bioessentialist rule. <laughs> I say it's more of speeding up than... I'm going to stop here. Let's carry on with the podcast. Yeah, let's carry on. Let's carry on. Let's, okay. carry, on, let's carry on. Solomon. So Solomon's now going to tell us, um, you know, a bit of background about Nancy. Yes. Take it away. Na, 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 na. 
So, who is Anansi? So, his name is Kweku. Kweku. Um, Kweku? Yeah, Kweku. Nice. Yeah, what day of the week is that? Why are you doing this to me? Yes, I will test you every time it's a day name. Yeah, what day of the week is this? Oh, I don't know. Um... Tuesday? Wednesday. 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 Is that your final answer? Yeah. She's correct, guys. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, um, Quake Korea is Wednesday. Oh my God. Um, anyway. So, Anansi is said to be born of Nyame, the sky god, um, and Asase Ya. Which is the earth goddess The goddess of fertility mm-hmm. Although sometimes In most of the stories This doesn't seem to be the case And you know It's sometimes very irrelevant So let's just imagine That he's just an abandoned orphan Or something like that Because it really isn't relevant In most of the stories okay. And it's even weird To think of it That that's their that's his parents mm-hmm. In most of the stories Because then it's like Why are they yeah. putting him through so much Exactly Yeah um, that's weird Yeah so Forget that fact. I said a fact. As far as we're concerned, just ex Nilo from nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he's just exists. He's just there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, <clears throat> so Anansi, you know, also known as Anansi, Aunt Nancy. Oh, that sounds good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Anansi, um, Hap Nancy, Nancy, um, um, which is a name given to, you know, the Akan's character who is famous throughout all all of Africa, um, mm-hmm. the countries in the Caribbean regions as well. And, you know, it's mostly because of his insight, his intelligence and his wisdom. Mm-hmm. So the name literally translates to spider and he is one of the most important figures in the pantheon of cultural icons amongst West Africans. Yeah. Um, along with his wife, Aso, um, Anansi can change forms and may be depicted as a human um, although his normal form is a spider So I'm really telling this mostly to the audience In case of yeah. there's some yeah. people who have never heard of Anansi before cool. um, Yeah, so um, according to um, the Asante people Who are part of the larger Akans in the West African people Which Adra is going to explain more about later Okay <laughs> I said that, I don't know if she actually will But you oh, better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah um, yeah, um, yeah, so um, Anansi can be, you know, a trickster. Um, you know, that's a personality who teaches moral, ethical, political, or social values based on his ability to lead a person to the truth um, through examples, puzzles, and um, the least expected turns and twists of faith. Yeah. So, you know, think like Loki, Tricks of God, or, or Eshu in the Yoruba Orishas, which you all should be very familiar with now. Um, yep. Yeah. So, there's many narratives of power in the life of Anansi. And he's credited with some stories of like the creation of the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets. In others, it's said that Anansi is the one who brought writing. Um, agriculture and hunting to earth um, teaching humans in the process how to take care of themselves in a world surrounded by bountiful fields and forests the lessons of Anansi's are social ethical moral and at the core of the of most you know Akan's cultural responses to society nice that's his introduction lovely I feel like you no know, 
Yeah. I know a lot about him now. Now you know. If someone ever asks know, you about a Nazi, Nazi. Nazi. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you should be able to give a P-E-E. Is it P-P-E or P-E? P-E-E and F. You need the F. What's F? You need the feeling. You need a feeling. Feeling? Oh. See, there's some advanced yeah. shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know he got like, he, he got them A's in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So, um, Adra is now going to explain the... Um, African origins of the Nazi. Yeah. Right, so I am going to be talking about Anansi's origins in Africa. So, um, as you already said, the origin of Anansi, the spider, is actually inspired by an um, African fable from the Ashanti people of Ghana. So that's like where he he came about. That's where he started. Mm. Yeah. So Anansi, who often appears as human being with a spider body, or sometimes just as a spider, um, as you said, again, he's known to be one of the best folklore characters. Um, so he is what Africans call a trickster, a very cunning character with unmeasurable wit and wisdom. So yeah, Anansi- Can't catch me. I'm like can't catch me. I'm a- <laughs> yeah, so Anansi basically means spider. So when you say Anansi, you're saying spider, basically, mm-hmm. in Ashanti. So that's basically what Anansi means. Um, doesn't sound very original. It doesn't, but like, you know, it sounds nice when you say Nancy, but when you know that you're just saying spider, it's like, oh, you know. <laughs> um, so he's known in present day as Mr. Nancy because um, British colonists butchered his name. So that's how it ended up being called Mr. Nancy because they couldn't say a Nancy. <laughs> I'm wondering like the, the whole, the old pejorative term of like Nancy boy, which means like um, a little pansy. But, like, boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I, I doubt it's got the same like etymological roots, mm-hmm. but sounds like it might do. Oh. It could do because yeah, it could do actually. Yeah. But he's more, yeah, could, could be, could be. Interesting. Yeah. We'll find that out. Yeah. Um, so By the next episode. <laughs> Anansi's stories actually travelled from Ghana to the Caribbean during the slave trade and then to the Americas. So um, that's how like his stories are like all over the world because of slave trade. Mm. His stories were travelled and dispersed through different countries. Um, so he was actually a very strong folklore character for the slaves back in the day because they looked up to his ability to outwit like people like the slave master and when his freedom and many of his stories, he outwits people. So mm-hmm. slaves really looked up to him and his stories back in the day. And I was actually going to talk about that scene that you mentioned for American Gods, where you actually mm-hmm. see a Nancy personified as that man yeah. in the like ship. I don't know if you've seen that clip. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's such a good clip. Um, and it, I feel like it's just a Nancy in a nutshell, yeah. but in American Gods, he's actually called Mr. Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Which is why you get the whole like, yeah. Um, and actually, a quite quite a cool thing I found out was that in Marvel comics, you know, um, the Amazing Spider-Man, blah blah. blah um, apparently, what inspired Spider-Man was um, actually Quaker and Nancy, because really? he was seen as the first ever Spider-Man. Because you know, as I said, he kind of takes the form as like half spider, half man. Mm. And um, considering like his literal name is translated to like spider, and he's like a man. Um, yeah. Apparently he was like one of the... Unfortunately, Stanley can't defend against these allegations. I'm trying to remember in like the original run of the sort of like the Into the Spider-Verse or the Spider-Verse um, comic run, mm. where uh, there was... Because there were a lot of expansive characters um, 
different spider people. So you had like spider ham. Yeah. Um, they were like, there were a lot of them, but I'm trying to, I don't remember that there was like any one that was based or even remotely related to Anansi mm. in uh, sort of the comic run of the um, Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, th- and that's such a big loss. Yeah, because I, I mean, feel like yeah. where loads of things become westernized and stuff, they kind of lose the whole African inspiration for a lot of things. Or you don't want to, don't acknowledge, want to acknowledge that you took from a certain yeah, source. Yeah, because obviously um, kind of yeah. did, you know. And obviously um, no one's trying to get sued in this day and age. Yeah. Wow. But then again, you don't know where all these stories actually originated from, like the first storyteller. So you can't really yeah, there's no get sued by any yeah, there's no one person. person. Yeah, yeah exactly. Old. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the folklore surrounding Anansi is quite extensive in African communities and also throughout the Americas. Um, so he's often actually in the Americas, which is like South America. Mm. He's quite more associated with the rabbit as well as the spider, which I found really weird. Because they're quite different animals. Yeah, why a rabbit? Where did the rabbit come from? <laughs> huh. Yeah. So, for example, in a small country in South America called Suriname, Suriname or Suriname, I don't know, um, the Anansi Sem or Anansi Tory stories about Anansi's exploits are like the core of many moral tales told to children. So this is like where the, like this old, I've never heard of this tale, Br'er Rabbit. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. Um, in the African-American commu- community, like that tale was kind of like a Nazi. You know what might make even more sense? What? Bugs Bunny. True. Because he's quite a trickster. Yeah, because yeah. he, he takes a piss out. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, I'm trying to see, perhaps there, were, there was a native story or a story with the native peoples about a trickster rabbit that was sort of like, so um, a Nazi and this um, old god or mm. old... Um, old figure were sort of like fused together an amalgam of those stories as the um, African West African peoples were transported um, to yeah I think that's probably what that I makes think. sense because yeah a lot of these stories become hybridized as yeah. cultures move and mix with different um, peoples yeah so obviously loads of these stories have disappeared from like African American culture but it's still very relevant to like Ghanaian context because it's taught still a lot to this day in Ghana Mm. Um, yeah and basically as you said there's loads of different narratives about Anansi like um, he created the sun he created the moon the stars the planets Um, he brought writing into the world apparently in agriculture and hunting and apparently he also taught a lot of humans how to take care of themselves in the world and yeah so He's the king of stories and the patron of storytellers and those who live by their wits. And that's kind of like who Anansi is in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> Done. Sounds brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, sorry. One more thing. <laughs> One more thing. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think the form of the spider is usually associated with the trickster? David, <laughs> if I recall, it's just like it's a weaver of so in the same way you weave a story, you tell this tale, you um, you tie the characters, you tie the mm-hmm. morals, you mm-hmm. tie the place and uh, and the theme of the story together. Yes, yeah. uh, Spider carefully weaves this web, this space where it sits in the heart of this story or in the heart of this place. I think it's a function of just the idea of a spider being a, an expert weaver of sorts. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Basically, um, 
what David said. <laughs> a spider is like um a animal that spins webs, um, and Anansi spins webs of deceit to achieve his goals. He spins webs of stories. And spiders are cunning. They they are um they are patient predators that yeah. um again they stay in They're place. Um, yeah, so just like any other god, goddess or deity, Anansi loves a good offering. So what types of offerings would you kind of summon to him, knowing about his character? What would Ooh. you think he would like? My favourite part. Um, I'm guessing the answer is not a fly. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't eat flies? Um, fly cake. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fly cake. Yeah, fly cake. What did we feed our spine? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. Okay. How, how about does he drink alcohol? Yeah. So he, you can actually summon him with offerings of treats, smoke, mm -hmm. smokes, and liquor. So he's oh. a very that type of guy. You know, he likes to drink, he likes to smoke. You know, a good tale is told over like over uh, drinks. Drink. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you may be able to summon him. He's something Mr. Nancy was some ASMR for you. <laughs> You may be able to summon him, but if you can't spin a good story to keep him interested, then he won't stick around very long because he doesn't tolerate being bored. So imagine you're just there telling stories like, Boo! Boo! Okay. I'm out. I, I'm a head out. <laughs> Literally throwing from the peanut gallery. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. African origins. Okay, so I'm going to tell the first um, story of a Nazi of the day. Uh, you see, today we're going to spin our stories as folk tales because they're mostly told as folk yeah. tales as well. So they're stories, origin stories, and folk tales yeah. in one. Um, but I think, David, Dave, you're going to tell folk tales, well, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to tell a story from Egypt. Um, I'll Ooh. talk more about it a little later, but it's a, I enjoy this story. It's one I've held really dear to me. Ooh, yeah. We're looking forward to that. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to tell a story, and it's about how Anansi gets the Sky God stories. Um, so... Once upon a time, there was no stories in the world. So when I hear this, um, I try to imagine what it must be like for there to be no Boy. stories. Oh. And and what I think of, you know, the movie, The Invention of Lying. Like, yeah. Imagine what it was before mm. something that Happened. is normal for us all to be invented. It's a difficult thing to conceptualize, though. Like to to consider something that is that that is so ubiquitous to think before it was or yeah. something without it. And even further, it's, it's like the question when you're asked, can you think of a new color? Mm. Like it's something that is just yeah. beyond fathomable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really interesting to think that there was a time before stories yeah. um, and imagine what that, you know, could have been. Anyway, so Kweku and Nancy, the spider, um, once went to Nyankampo or Nyame, I, I think they're the same people. Nyankampo. Yeah. The Ghanaian has corrected me. Um, <laughs> that, that, that is the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close that's enough. good. That's good. Okay. That's good. So the Sky God, um, I would say he goes to the Sky God in order to buy the stories from the Sky God. So they're called the Sky God stories. And so the Sky God said, What makes you think that you can buy them? The spider mm. answered, 
I I know I shall be able to. Therefore, um, the sky god said, great and powerful towns like Kokofu, Bekwa, Asumanyu, yeah. <laughs> I butchered that name, but that's cool. Um, have come and they were unable to purchase them. Yeah. And yet you, who is masterless, you say that you'll be able to. See, this is why I said that it's hard to imagine that this is dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, but if you consider these deities are both like concepts of being, so they are the concept of the sky. They, like, mm. they are both the father of these um, demigods, these gods, but also like all like omnipotent, like to to inhabit both being a parent and mm. being a thing. Yeah. Like, that is a space that is difficult to um, like to balance both. Things. So, so I can imagine it's like, you know, when, let's say, imagine your parents like, when I'm at home, you can call me dad, whatever. Yeah. When we're at school, it's headmaster. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you, yeah, you have to yeah, make that, yeah. that, 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 that this, this distinction. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's what this is. Um, and I guess you're probably wondering why I was talking a bit weird when using the Nancy voice. Um, but it's because, you know, he said to, you know, talk with a lisp or speech impediment. Um, Who, Nancy? Yeah, Nancy. Yeah. Oh. So something that makes him annoying, I guess. Really? Um, yeah. So that's yeah. interesting because he tells a lot of stories. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. That makes it even more impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. So okay, cool. the spider said, um, what is the price of the st- 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 stories? Wow. <laughs> so um, the sky god said, they cannot be bought for anything except Onini, the python, Osebo, the leopard, Momotia, the fairy, and Momomboro, the hornet. The spider said, I will bring some of, some of all of these. So to help you understand, this is like trying to say and find the needle in a haystack or um, try to collect water from a colander. You know, these are impossible tasks that he's asking you right. to Right, so you can't do. actually find these animals. Or it's beyond difficult to find, collect and bring these animals back. Yeah. Um, so he's saying impossible tasks, but Nancy takes up these tasks. That's how important stories are. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. Yeah, I vibe with that completely. So the sky god said, go and bring them then. And Anansi set about capturing these. Um, first, he went to where the python lived and debated out loud, you know, um, whether the python was really longer than the palm branch or not, as his wife says. So it's like, imagine you just go somewhere, you start talking to yourself like, is this is this python really that long? Right, you know, I've right. heard he's this big, yeah, I think that's a lie. <laughs> so the python overheard this, um, and when Anansi explained it to him, um, he agreed to lie along the palm branch to see, you know, what's longer, um, because he could not easily measure himself because obviously snakes are all curly so he said that you could um like tie me to the branch um along the yeah. width of it to see if i'm longer than it or not you fell into my trap yeah i was thinking <laughs> um, that sounds sus. <laughs> so the python agreed to be tied to this branch and when he was completely tied anansi took the branch and just took him to the sky god number Bye. one no, no, number one complete. Like, you didn't even make that hard like that that, that was simple stuff <laughs> Yeah, so that's number one, done. To catch the leopard, 
Anansi dug a deep hole in the ground and when the leopard fell into this hole, Anansi offered to help him out um, with his webs. So he said, you know, I'll spin some webs down, you know, you hold on to it, you know, I'll wrap it around you and I'll pull you out. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you. I'm here for you. <laughs> anyway, um, once the leopard was out of the hole, he was bound in Anansi's webs and carried away. Number two, th- these are looking very... Very easy. Very easy. Right. So, how would you catch hornets? Because, like, it's not just like you're, you need to catch one hornet, you need to catch the whole swarm. They're like bees. Like yeah, that. yeah. So, hornets are like bees, but I think they're just way more dangerous and, yeah, like, they're assholes, basically. I think there was this Chinese story of, um, I think it's not the Monkey King, but someone like that figure who captured a a uh, riven mass of hornets in this cord like in this spoiler alert spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> stop danger danger <laughs> roll it back roll it back you didn't hear that okay go on <laughs> so <clears throat> to catch the hornets <laughs> Anansi not no monkey king Anansi um, filled a calabash which is a gourd with water and he poured it over banana leaf where the um, hornets were so he just suggested um, that it was raining like you know it's raining it's raining guys you know you should get inside you should come into this nice and waterproof gourd I have here you see right. um, and so the you know they obliged and they got in and so he quickly sealed it and they were all trapped in there David tried to spoil my story but at least that that way you can see how you know stories do travel into different cultures and yeah. you know sometimes you lose the copyright tag on wow. them. Wow. <clears throat> okay, um, so and then last but not least, yeah. to catch the fairy. So this fairy can go invisible, um, so it's hard to catch the fairy in it. So to catch it, he made a doll and covered it with this sticky gum. Where's this going? Yeah, you're gonna stick with me on this one. Hey, you see what I did there? See what I did yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he placed this doll under this um, odem, which is a tree of life, mm-hmm. um, where the fairies sometimes play in it. And he put some yam in a bowl in front of it. Fried yam, love it. Yeah. Um, so when the fairies came and ate, um, well, the fairy came and ate the yam. She tried to thank the doll because she thought the doll was the one that made it. Right. Okay. And you know she, you know, did a. Thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you, um, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, but the doll did not reply because it's a doll. This yeah. ain't no Annabelle. This ain't no Annabelle. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though it just didn't reply, and so the fairy was really annoyed with this doll and got so angry at its bad manners and struck it. Wow. And, you know, first with one hand and then with the other. I know, right? Other. Yeah. And so the hands got stuck and the and Nancy captured her because her hands are stuck. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a sticky one still, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, imagine hearing someone for not replying or saying thank you. I know, like, right? It's like... Like... Awesome. Domestic violence. <laughs> Pride is killing my people. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So, Anansi handed his captives over to Nyame, the sky yeah. god. Or well, what's the other name? Nyankampo? Onyankampo. Onyankampo. Isn't that friend? Uh, Onyankampo is friend. Ah, so which one are we saying now? 
So we just leave him the O. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, so he gives all of these captives to the sky god, who then said, Kweku Anansi, from today on and for forever, I present you my god stories. Wow. What, what are these words? Is it Kose, Kose, Kose? What's that mean? I don't know. That might be Fanti. Okay. Kose, Kose, Kose. We should all say it in Sounds unison. Like, okay. Kose, 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 Kose. My blessings, my blessings, my bless. Oh, I think that's what it means. Uh-huh. <laughs> no more shall we call them the Sky God stories, but we shall call them the spider stories. Nice, nice. Yeah, so he basically got the copyrights hey, to the stories. We love now. to see it. Anyway, so that's the story of how Anansi got the stories of the world. Mm. And you have to understand that at the time, stories really were a way of passing down information and wisdom. So really, Anansi became the wisest man in the world. Oh. And he passed out this information to everyone. Yeah, so that's my story of how Nancy got all his stories, including this story of how Nancy got the stories. Oh. Inception. Inception. Do you think he's allowed to change the stories? What? Do you think he's allowed to change the stories? Yes. Or does he have to... Do you know what I mean? I think, but stories aren't... Stories are static things. So yeah. Yeah, they morph so and they change. So he must have remixed a few. Yeah, and at the end of the day... Um, putting your own self or your ideas into stories, how, I guess, information, it's the same way how scientists would look on a theory and, you know, try to explain, yeah. and, you know, debunk some things and pass it on that way. The yeah. same way, you know, stories, information, all that would be passed down. They'd be influenced by the context of the times yeah. and remixed and, you know, brought forward really. Especially in the time before, um, writing mm-hmm. like, uh, these are very old traditions so um the story will be very much influenced by the specific storyteller yeah, exactly. the way the story is told the emphasis yeah. on character and the kind of theme or the kind of moral that said storyteller is trying to convey in this story like that's that's what is that's what shifts and morphs and it's just like a this is a terrible way of saying. Just like you know, uh, my game of telephone, because I'm not gonna say the other, um, the other, <laughs> the other yeah, yeah, telephone. Um, where as a function of just as it, it passes from one person to another, then yeah, it each changes, person it shifts yeah. and it morphs yeah. over time. Cool. And I think that could be a beautiful thing. Um, it could be. Yeah, but information can be lost as well. Yeah, like with you know the whole slave trade colonizer thing, they would just change it completely. On that note. <laughs> On that note, I shall be telling a story of how Anansi became a spider. Mm. So, you know, this is how, about how he actually became a spider. Did he get a bit by a spider? He's not Spider-Man, you know? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. It's, this, is, this is his own fault, how he became a spider. It's his own fault. His own fault. Okay. So, yeah, this story is from the, the Goma people of West Africa. Um, Who? The Goma. The Goma? Yeah. I'm assuming it's an old tribe somewhere in West Africa, close to Ghana. That's no longer, or just now very mm. tiny. Um, so, yeah, a very long time ago... Um, there was a king and he had a very special possession and this possession was like his most 
fav- like special possession in the world, like his precious thing that nobody could ever like come across. And it was a ram. A ram. <laughs> yeah. So okay. apparently this ram was larger and taller than any other specimen in the entire country. Um, yeah, it was more precious to him than anything else he owned. So sorry to his kids, because apparently oh, this ram wow. was like... It's not easy. It was his number one thing. Like, <laughs> but I say he left the world to the ram. <laughs> yeah. And um, oh. he made it clear to all of his um, subjects that the ram could roam wherever he wanted to. Um, it could eat as much food as it wanted to. So if it can't eat your food... You can't report to the king because it's like, yeah, the ram can do whatever. <laughs> so sometimes this was so bad because it meant that his people would go hungry because the ram was just eating everyone's food. Yeah. Hungry. Yeah. It was a big ram, like the biggest specimen. And apparently if anyone would injure or even hit the ram, they would be sentenced to death. So it, it just even, yeah, that's wild. So every citizen in the kingdom obeyed these orders without complaining, except one wealthy farmer named Anansi. So Anansi was a farmer, he was proud of his crops, and everyone knew that if the ram was to ever visit Anansi's farm, <laughs> yeah, Anansi would not tolerate this. It's all over. <laughs> so one particular day after a lot of heavy rain, Anansi's crops were literally like as tall as his waist, and he was making um, a final inspection of his like land and his corn and all of that. And he noticed something very weird. He was like, in a very far distant area of his land, he saw some trampled corn and he was like, oh, what's this about? Like, is that- why is my corn trampled? Nah, like- it can't be. <laughs> like, Not my crops. Not my crops. <laughs> he saw that some of his crops were eaten and he was really confused. He was like, what's going on? So then in the middle of the field, he saw the king's ram. Yeah, it was munching away happily on his food, like just munching, munching, munching. He was like, what? Yeah. So Anansi was so angry at this <laughs> that he hurled a large pebble at the animal, intending to just scare it away. Like, you know, when you just throw something. Yeah. But his aim was crap because the pebble hit the ram right between the eyes. Well, one would argue that that's very good aim. Yeah. No, like- if it was intentional. <laughs> So obviously the pebble hit the ram right between the eyes and before Anansi could even realize what he had done, the ram was dead. So what would you do at this point? Because everyone knows the king's orders and that what would happen if you even touch the ram, like if you even hit it and it was dead. Mutton, mutton is good meat. I was going to say, I would cook it so deliciously and I'll feed the king. And then when he asks, I'll say, look at your shit. Oh my God. So Anansi knew that he would surely die if this was discovered. So he had to think of a way to, you know, cover this up. So as he was thinking, he leaned back against a shade a tree um, to think of like how to fix this mess. And suddenly a nut fell on his head from one of the tree branches above. So he picked up the nut and ate it. I know you've got bigger issues than eating nuts that are falling on trees. But anyway, he was like, he liked it so much that he shook the tree so more nuts could fall on the ground. And then he had a great idea. So he picked up all the nuts that had fallen, put them in his pocket. He carried the dead ram and climbed to the top of the tree, (laughs) where he then tied it to a strong bough on the tree and then jumped off his tree. Suicide? (laughs) Wow. The The ram ram committed suicide? (laughs) Oh dear Lord, have mercy. So yeah, so he tied this ram to the tree and made his way to his friend 
Kusumbali, the spider's house. Mm. So before we carry on, mm-hmm. um, I was just thinking, this how the knot fell on his head and mm-hmm. he came up with a great idea. It sounds like how Einstein came up with, you know, Garazi. Newton. 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 I'm gonna edit he that said, part. Einstein. I'm not editing that out. He said, I'm editing that out. So it sounds like how Newton. <laughs> Got hit in the head. By Maybe he apple. read some Anansi stories and was like, hmm. I'm on to you. Yeah, I'm on to no you. No one's <laughs> safe. No one's safe. We're discovering everything. Everything whitewashed. <laughs> um, yeah, so he went to his friend, Kasumbli, the spider's house, and they were just chilling, chatting, and then Anansi pulled out the shea butter nuts to his friend and gave them to him to eat. And of course, his friend loved the flavor of the nuts and he asked Anansi where he got them from. Yeah? No, no, go on, go on, go on. What? I'm thinking, is he about to frame his friend? Of course, it's, it's, this is Anansi. He's about to frame his friend. <laughs> like, so yeah, his friend was like, oh, where did you get these nuts from? Your friend's like these, who needs enemies? I know, right? Wow. So Nancy was like, come with me and I'll show you the exact spot I got these nuts from. It'd so It'd be your own. It'd be wow. your own, yeah. So he led his friend to the tree where the nuts were growing and he told him that you have to shake the tree really hard to loosen the nuts. Like you just have to really shake it. So <laughs> with Vim. So Kasumbri the spider began shaking the tree violently, and as he did, the dead ram fell to the ground. So Anansi being a Nancy was like <gasps> shock. Uh, shock horror. horror. He was like, my friend, what have you done? This is the king's ram lying at your feet and you've killed him. <laughs> you know what this sounds like? What? And and this isn't incriminating um, speech or evidence or anything like that. It's sure. inadmissible in court. Okay. But it's like, you know, when you, let's say you break a plate and you put it back into the cupboard <gasps> and you put it in a location that it's about to drop. drop. For the next person to go there, who's and then, the amongst us? Honestly, honestly, has not done that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you have not done that, you cast the first stone. <laughs> you cast the first stone, mum. It wasn't me. <laughs> so yeah, his friend Kasimbli turned pale, and he started to panic. And Anansi told him, "Look." The only thing you can do now to unburden yourself is to tell the king what happened. And with any luck, he will understand. Yeah, exactly. Not me. Not me. Not me. Y'all stay safe, not me. So yeah, Consumbly was like, okay, this is good advice. So he picked up the dead ram and went to confess his crime, hoping that the king would be in a good mood. You know, back in the day when you broke something or you did something wrong and you had to make sure your parents were in a good mood before you came to them, mm-hmm. like, yeah. So yeah, on his way to the king's palace, um, the spider, Anansi's friend, which is weird that his friend is a spider. Anyway, he went home to say goodbye to his wife and kids because he was like, I'm definitely never going to see them again after I bring the king is dead round. Man wrote his will and everything. <laughs> so as Kusumbli was telling his wife everything that happened, she was like, hmm, wait a minute. Something isn't right with your story here. Like, so, yeah, his, his wife was smart. Unlike him, I don't know why he's so stupid. So his wife was like, there's definitely a trick involved in this story. He's not stupid. He was loyal. <laughs> like, why would you uh, think your friend is, 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 is framing mm, you? Okay. So yeah, his wife said, I've never in my life seen a ram climb a tree. Use your head and think about this. Should I tell you what's bad about this? What? I didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, wait. It's because I've seen rams or is it goats climb mountains. Yeah, but, yeah, goats, but, yeah, goats but are trees like... are very different topographies to I mean, one should be easier. Which is a mountain. It's wider, isn't it? I mean, a, a tree, tree is, is like... 
Think about it. And the branches are also thin. And this was a big, tall, fat Physically, lamb. I understand why yeah. it's not. But in terms of levels, if I was training to climb a mountain, I'll start with a tree. <laughs> that makes sense. So... <laughs> 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 so his wife said um, Anansi definitely has something to do with this And he's letting you take the blame So she came up with a plan Because you know Let the woman do the work and all that um, She told her husband To leave Anansi behind And pretend to go to the king's palace by himself And then to come back after some time And tell Anansi that everything went well And the king was calm with everything so yeah, the spider did this and it worked. He told Anansi to come and celebrate with him because the king wasn't angry. And the king even said, now the ram is dead. He has no use for it. So he can take as much meat as he wants. Yeah. So Anansi was like, wait, what? He got angry and he said, you've been given all of this meat. Well, I was the one who took the trouble to kill the ram. I should have been given my fair share. You don't deserve any of this. And obviously he outed himself there and then. So at this, Kusumbli was like, him and his wife leaped on Anansi. They bound his hand and feet and took him to the king where they reported what had happened. And Anansi was begging for the king's mercy. But the king was so angry that he raised his foot to kick Anansi and he kicked him so hard that Anansi broke into a thousand pieces <laughs> and got scattered all over the place. And yeah, apparently that is how Anansi came to be such a small spider. And this is also why you will find him in every corner of the house, awaiting the day when someone will put together all the pieces <laughs> back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deserved, but still. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Wow. Um, it's a lot to digest there. Um, yeah. That's that's. That's it, really. Wait, so you're saying the small pieces of the spider are the spider as well? Are, are uh, it's Anansi the human. I mind. Mm, mm, so if mm. you put all the small pieces together, you will... <laughs> so, so, Allegedly. So, 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 so Alleg- in not so many words, if you capture a few spiders... Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> See, like we were, ahead of our, we were ahead of the curve. We were ahead. I know. I feel like we were given a mission. no. And it's God's will. It, 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 yeah, yeah. You know, and Nancy, we Nancy. will bring in the band back together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Da, da, da. <laughs> okay, so David here is going to tell us um, an African folktale. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Over to you. Wonderful. Um, so I've been reading this story from Egypt. Um, it's called um, The Promises of the Three Sisters. And like this story has everything. It has, I, I won't spoil it for you. I'll get into <laughs> it. Yeah. Great choice. Um, so yeah, this story comes out of Egypt and it just starts as every good story starts. Not once upon a time, but there once was a king. So there once was a king in this kingdom in Egypt um, who this king wanted to know how much his people loved him. So he spoke to his vizier. He told his vizier, send out criers into the town, every corner of my kingdom and tell them to show how much they love the king by turning off all of the lights this night. So none of the lanterns, none of the lamps will be put on. And this is just to prove that they love the wealth and the prosperity of this kingdom. Mm 
The vizier does this. The criers go about all of the towns. Hear ye, hear ye. Crying and the crying, the commands of this king, the dictates of this king. Um, so the king and the vizier then tour the land. They go far and wide and all f- this, e- this night, all of the lights, it's just completely dark in all of the towns, mm-hmm. all of the cities. Um, and so the vizier say, look, king, it's completely dark. I hope this shows you how much this kingdom loves you. And the king says, yes, yes, this is good. I am loved. I am beloved of my people. Um, and then as they're going back on the edge of one of the small towns, the king sees that there's a light on. There's always one up. There's, yeah, there's, there's always, always one up. <laughs> so the king said, mm, this is, nah, okay, nah, nah, nah. Okay, so all of these people love me, but this one, this one, these one persons, uh, um, I have to find out what. So being the nosy, the cook person that the king was, um, sneaks up to the edge of this house, um, the house with the light on, stands by the window and listens in. Mm-hmm. Inside this house, there are three women, there are three ladies. Um, so in the house, the three of them, there's the eldest sister, um, she is extremely pretty. Then there's the second eldest, so the younger of the two, who's even prettier than the eldest sister. And then there's the youngest of the three, who is just the absolute prettiest. Um, the king sees them all and he sees that they're weaving. They're weavers. Um, they weave carpets, they weave baskets. Um, and he stands and he listens to them as they go. And the the sisters start talking. They say, uh, if I ever meet the king, so the, the older sister says to her sister, siblings, if I ever meet the king, I would marry him and I would bake him a cake, a cake so large that it would feed both his armies and him and they'll be full forever. That's a big cake. That's a big cake. Mm-hmm. And of when, you know, in lockdown times when they said uh, that- Focaccia bread was everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say no. It's more when they say that they were making um, a lasagna dish. In, oh yeah, the biggest in, lasagna dish in Wembley Stadium, yeah, and they're gonna fly over to everyone. That was a lie. <laughs> that was a lie. Big detour. But you know when someone said, "Yeah, my my boyfriend's neighbor's friends overheard the governments bringing tanks into." Yeah, those stories. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Okay, so the second of their sisters um, says that ah well. If I ever see the king, I'll marry the king and I will weave him this beautiful carpet. This carpet will be so large that will sit him and his armies with space to spare. And then the younger, the youngest of the three, um, she says that if I ever meet the king, I would marry him and I would birth him two children. I'll birth him clever Mohammed and um, her, so a son and a daughter. Um, clever Mohammed the son and Sit uh, Sit Ellison, the um, blessed beauty, um, the daughter. These children would have hairs of gold and silver, and they will be the most beautiful in all the land. So the king, again, okay, nosy king, is standing and the outskirts just at the window listening to them. So he has a lot to think about. He goes back to his uh, to his palace and then he tells the vizier to call the uh, to call the sisters to his palace. They come the next day and the king asks them. So I told everyone to turn off the lights. Like this was a command from your king, from your lord, and you did not. The king said, and he asked, why why didn't you do this? We heard your we heard your commands. We heard your cries, but we couldn't turn off our lights because we're orphans, and we weave the we weave our wares. Because if we were not to sell these, we would 
basically die of hunger. The king understood this and he forgave them. And he said, I also heard, uh, also overheard you and I would like to marry you. So he chooses the eldest of the three sisters and he marries her. And then, um, so on the day of their wedding, um, in the evening of the wedding, he says, okay, so you promised to bake me this massive cake that will feel, <laughs> that, will feel that will feed me and my armies forever. <laughs> Get to bacon. <laughs> and, and, and so the eldest of the three sisters says that, come on, like, so um, words that are spoken in the night are covered in butter. When the sun rises, they melt. So that was, I, I can't believe you believed that. Right, that, yeah, that, those, uh, those, yeah. those were lies. Yeah, yeah. Um, the king was not was not happy. I wanted this cake. He divorced her the next day, and then um, he calls the younger of the two sisters, um, and he says, "I'm going to marry you." They get married on the night of their wedding. He says, "You promised that you would weave me this beautiful carpet that would mm -hmm. see me and all of my armies get to weave." <laughs> he says. I can't believe you, I can't believe you fell for that. Um, words that are spoken at night are covered in butter. When the sun rises, they melt. They be selling dreams. Yep. Um, the king was not happy. He divorced her and then he marries the youngest, of the, the youngest and the prettiest of the three sisters. And then, so they get married. The uh, night of their marriage, they consummate the wedding, whatever. Um, nine months, so this sister is blessed by God. Mm -hmm. um, and nine months later, she is blessed with twins. She gives birth and as she, so over the course of her pregnancy, the other two sisters get jealous. Mm -hmm. They get just angrily jealous. This this pit of, uh, of jealousy is ignited in them. And so they get to hatch in a plan. They speak with the with the handmaiden of their of their youngest sister, mm -hmm. and they say they they tell her that the moment that these these children are born, bring them to me, bring 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 them to us. They take the children and they replace the twins, so the boy and the girl. They replace them with a puppy and a kitten. What? <laughs> this is Egypt. This is Egypt. Watch where this is going. Okay, so they replace them with a puppy and a kitten. Now they take the two babies. They put them in a box, they nail this box tight, and then they put the box in the river and travel it down river, downstream. Sounds a lot like Moses. I was gonna say, what is with like Egyptians and putting people in? Even the story of Osiris, um, when Osiris was killed by his brother Seth, yeah. like it, he, he was dismembered and different pieces of him were sent down the river. Like it's, it's a theme in Egyptian yeah. folk tales. So um, the king wakes to see that his children are animals yeah but this is a this king is like he knows that his wife his youngest wife was blessed by god and mm. and so he accepts that these this is his offspring we progressive over here wow <laughs> he, dresses, he dresses the kitten and the puppy in the finest of silks and he accepts that his offspring are kids are is a animals. cat and a dog yeah now going back to the tale of the um of the two babies they flow down the river and they end up at the mouth of the river this um in the in the reeds at the mouth of the river there's a at the at that space there's a fisherman who has been blessed by god and who would always capture two fish every day one mm -hmm. for, enough to feed him and his wife and then to sell as well 
the the fisherman finds this box uh, with these two babies, takes the box and goes back to his wife. His wife says, no, 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 no like, there's, like, there's nothing good that can come out of this box. It's yeah. either money that we don't need or evil that will be, that will befall us. Uh, I was going to say cannibalism. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it ain't that bleak. It ain't that bleak, it ain't that bleak. Um, so the... This is a, this this story goes on, but we'll get there. It's a good story. I love this story. Um, so the the fisherman says, "We've always been blessed by God. So everything that comes unto us is comes from God." Mm-hmm. Um, so the 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 wife accepts this, and they open this box, and they see these two babies, the the brother and the sister. They were suckling each other's thumb, mm-hmm. um, and they they are um in awe of the beauty of these of these twins um and so they decide to call these babies the boy clever muhammad and uh and the daughter um sitel uh, um blessed beauty um so these babies um as a function of these babies being blessed by god the the fisherwoman or the fisherman's wife um is blessed by god she gets milk in her bosom um and these babies grow up uh, really quickly um they have wonderful golden and silver hair um and they just basically luck and fortune falls on this family um so as they're growing the the brother like loves absolutely loves his sister and he knows the moods of his sister whenever she would cry whenever she was unhappy it would rain and mm. wherever the wherever the brother was he would know wherever clever muhammad was he would know that his sister was unhappy because it was raining and whenever she was happy she would smile and her smile would bring the sunlight and whenever it was sunny wherever Cle- uh, clever muhammad was he would know that his sister was happy mm. one day as they as they were growing into young um, into teenagehood, um, the fisherman um, had as he was teaching his son how to fish. He told him, "I will die one day. I'll die soon. I know my time is coming. And when I die, I want you to know that underneath my pillow there are these two magical hairs. They're from a horse mane. If you're ever in trouble, take these two hairs and rub them together, and." Um, you'll be able to grant the, the the hairs will grant you any wish. Oh, see, so um, the the boy goes away. The next day, he's fishing, and then it starts raining. Mm-hmm. He goes back home. His sister, like, he sees his sister, and he knows that his dad has passed away. There, the father has passed away. He goes. He sees the pillow. He takes the hairs and he keeps them for later. Well, you know, like in Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll need this later. Um, then the next day, the mother speaks to Setala son. Mm-hmm. She says that um, one day I will die soon. Um, when I die, underneath my pillow, you will find this magical purse. Every morning, um, this purse will bestow onto you 10 gold coins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I pass, please find this. This will be your um, yes. your inheritance. Yeah. I'm going to need y'all to stop dying. <laughs> How about that? Okay. Yep. Okay. So... The next day, um, Clever Muhammad is fishing. It starts raining. He goes back home. He knows that his mom has died. Um, and his sister, uh, Seth al finds this purse. So after after they buried both of their parents, they both go back to town. They, they no longer need to stay in the um, in the fisherman's hut. They go back. They both go back to town. The, like 
Sehelson uh, had slowly stocked up all of the 10 gold coins each day and they go they buy this plot of land right opposite the king's palace mm. yeah so remember the king has like he's just accepted his lot in life the uh, yeah. puppies and kittens are his children um so they built the uh ha- asks the builders to build this massive palace that is equal in beauty and splendor to the king's palace so one day the king is going around his town he sees that overnight um vizier I, I, they, what, what? was this building here yesterday um no so he asks the people of the town and say oh this is the this is the household of uh clever muhammad and set Hassan, the twin siblings so the king goes into this palace he sees um clever muhammad and he starts speaking with him and he's impressed by the um by the cleverness of this boy by the uh just he's just impressed by him Yep. So um, as he as he goes into have lunch with Clever Muhammad and with Satalasan, well Satalasan wasn't there because you know Egypt, um, Islam, women, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so his retinue comes along into the palace and in his retinue, so his ex-wives are in his retinue. They, his wife didn't come along, but his ex-wives are in the retinue. They see the silver hair of this young boy and they see the gold hair of this mm-hmm. young woman and they know oh shit we oh, messed damn. up yeah um so because they are sly they start hatching a plot to get um to get rid of these people before their deviousness is found out by the king dun, dun, dun. yeah so um they the the aunt so the two sisters of the youngest sibling um they they go into the palace alone without the king. They see Satellison and they talk mm-hmm. to her. This is a wonderful home you have here. Like it has got everything. Except it doesn't have everything. It's missing one thing. It is missing the it's missing this thing that's really difficult to find. But I'm sure, I'm sure if you ask your brother, he'll find it for you. It's missing the dancing bamboo. Like mm-hmm. and they, so um so clever Muhammad is having lunch with the king um, and then it starts raining he said I'm sorry king I have to go like some, something has come up he goes to his sister and his sister is crying and she said and he says what's wrong sister I love you I'll do anything for you and she says we have almost everything but our garden doesn't have the dancing bamboo <laughs> I don't know what it reminds me of you know when in that Kanye and Kim interview it's like can you believe we don't have a jacuzzi <laughs> Can you believe we don't have a jacuzzi? We're going to get to the jacuzzi. We don't have a jacuzzi? We're going to get to the jacuzzi. So, um, so clever Muhammad says, "Okay, we're going to sort this out. We're going to get the dancing babu." Um, so he collects some rations. Um, he goes out into God's country. He speaks with God's people, and he like he asks around, "Where is this? Where's the land with the dancing bamboo?" Mm-hmm. Um, and he spe- he finds this old lady in a in a market somewhere in a bazaar, and she says, "Ah, like." To get this dancing bamboo, you have to, it's three years away from here. You have to travel three years away from here. And it's in the land of Father Ogre. But mm. Father Ogre, you're, you're in luck. Father Ogre sleeps for seven years and is awake for seven years. Father Ogre is currently in a sleep cycle. So if you go now, you'll be able to enter his garden, enter his household without arousing his suspicion. So um, Clever Muhammad goes. He travels three years. He gets to um, Father Ogre's um, household. He finds 
the dancing bamboo in the garden of Father Ogre and he tries to collect it. He, he collects branches and as he does, the birds in the trees start singing, beef, beef, beef. Um, oh, and Father Ogre wakes up. But by the time Father Ogre is wake, uh, wakes up, Clever Mohammed is skedaddled. He, yeah. he, he's outie. He goes back, um, plants the plants the dancing bamboo in the garden. Um, Set Al Hassan and Clever uh, and Clever Mohammed are happy. Then the aunts come back again and they say, "Okay, that didn't work." Then they go back to Set Al Hassan. They say, "This is good. You've got the dancing bamboo, but you're missing something else." You're missing the singing water. You're, you're missing the water from the singing pools. Set, uh, Clever Muhammad, palace, king, rain, Set Alassan, missing like singing pools. Yeah. Another quest. Again we go. He finds. <laughs> he finds the old lady again. He said, "What do you want? Oh, you keep disturbing me." Um, he said, "I'm trying to find the uh, dancing, like the singing pools. Um, where, where, where's, where's that? Um, she says, "To find it, you need to go." This is this one is not three years. It's seven years out of your way. Bruh. You need to go to the house of Mother Ogress, and again, you're just in luck. Like she's mm-hmm. just she's just woken up. So by the time you get there. She'll uh, be asleep. Okay, okay. Seven years. She's like she's like Fravoga. Seven years up. Seven years asleep. Yeah. He goes. He he goes into the garden. It's the same garden as Fravoga, but different part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, collects the singing pools. This, the pools start singing. Bam! Fravoga. This guy's trying to steal from you. The birds are singing. Um, he collects it. Uh, Mother Ogre wakes up. Yeah. He's out. He goes back. The garden, the garden of Settle Sun and um, Clever Muhammad both now has the um, the dancing bamboo and the uh, singing pools. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, no, like, no, you know, no. Like good things coming for you. You can't. No, 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 you're not invited. Uh-uh. The aunts come back. They say, <clears throat> "Okay, okay, we really need to do something about this. We can't, we can't, we can't have our uh, subterfuge um, exposed." Okay. This time for sure. They go to Sad Halasan and say, your your garden is coming along perfectly. There's only one thing. Ah, but there's no way. There's no way you can get this. But if you did, you would have the best garden in all of the land. What you need is the talking lark. A lark is a bird. The talking lark would make, would just bring everything together. It's it's about the ambience of your space. It would tell stories. Garden sounds loud. It's very noisy. It sounds noisy. Um, Palace, rain, Mm -hmm. clever Mohammed, king. Quest. Quest. Um, He goes back to the old lady. She says, nope, someone is trying to get you killed. So someone does not want you to rest. (laughs) So I'm not helping you. I can't can't have that in my conscience. So um, clever Mohammed is out of luck. He's asked everyone. Then he remembers all those years ago that his father, the fisherman, is abducted father. Um, gave him these two hairs from a oh, from yeah, a horse mane. Yeah. Muscatel. Okay, cool. He rubs them together. We got hairs, so cheers. <laughs> he rubs them together and this horse appears. <laughs> this horse is the son of the king of the jinn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this horse can grant like can answer wishes, wishes or grant yeah. wishes. He asks the um the horse to take him to the house of or to the land where the the talking lark is. Yeah. So, that place is a thousand years out of your way. Yep, he's dead. Yeah, um, but and it's not just that. In the field, in the gardens, this 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 the talking lock exists in the gardens of Um Ishi Al Um Ishi Al. 
the lady Umishiao. And um, in this garden, there's two lions that if you speak to them, you turn to stone, they petrify you. Right. There's two dogs that if you speak to them, they rip you apart. And right. even the lady Umishia, if you speak to her, she petrifies you. So when you get there, you'll see in the fields before the garden, there are sheep there. Take one of the sheep, cut it into four, into quarters. Feed two pieces of the sheep to the lions. And when you feed them the sheep, they will say, clever Muhammad, you've honored us. But don't respond because you'll be petrified. Do the same thing, give another two parts of the four bits that you've got of the sheep to the dogs. They'll also say, clever Muhammad, you've honored us. Don't respond, they'll whip you apart. And then finally, when you meet the lady Umishiao, she will say, clever Muhammad, I've been waiting for you all of my life. We were destined to be together. I love you with all my heart. Do not respond because yes. you will be petrified. Um, so clever Muhammad does all of this. Um, he passes the riddles of the of the lions, the dogs. He avoids the lady Umishiao, and then he sees the talking lark. The talking lark is this bird that just as as he gets up to the talking lark, the talking lark is just mocking him. You, the son of the king that you don't even know is your father. You, the person whose aunts are trying to get killed. He's just he's getting out. Uh, your trim is dead. You <laughs> look dusty. He's getting. You look that dusty. cute. <laughs> dusty. The hair's uneven. Um, he don't like. He doesn't listen. And then the talking lot gets tired and said, "Okay, when will I rest? When will I like? When will I um, tire?" And he just say, "Yeah." He just gets so angry and he said, "Shut up!" And the moment he says, "Shut up!" to the talking lot, he turns to stone. In this field of Umishiao, there's just a field of people, like nations full of people who have uh, who are stone of men, as you say, yeah. men. Okay. Um, so Seth Halasan. Um, her brother's nowhere to be found. Um, and she knows that something's gone wrong. So she she takes it on herself to solve this mystery. She dresses up as a man because you can't travel freely as a woman. Yeah. Isla- Islamic law. Yeah. She goes to find the old lady. Old lady's no help. She says, just forget about it. He's gone. And then in the distance, so she she's just traveling. In the distance, she sees this cloud. Um, it's like just this cloud coming towards her. And as she's coming, she sees this giant ogre running towards her. And as it, as the ogre is about to approach her, she says, peace be upon you. Um, and the ogre calms and she says, oh, you're so lucky that you said peace be upon you. And she responds with peace be upon you as well. This is Father Ogre speaking. And, she, and he says, if you hadn't, I would have just eaten you bit to bit. Wow. Um, yeah, and then she asks him about the the land of the talking lark. The uh, father ogre says, um, "I'm sorry, I can't help you, but if you go a little further ahead, you'll see my older brother. He's one day older than me, but one year more knowledgeable than me." She walks. She sees another cloud um, running, and like this is another ogre coming. Not mother ogre, but another father ogre runs. Peace be upon you. You're lucky you said that. I would have eaten you shred to shred. I can't help you. Um, man, if you go a little further, my eldest brother, the older than us both, um, one one day older than me, two years more knowledgeable than both me and my brother. She sees this, the third and final ogre, peace be upon you, I would have eaten you. Um, and he says, okay, the land of the lark is, uh, the land of the talking lark is here, here and here. 
she travels to it. When she travels, she sees outside the, so she follows all of the instructions. So um, sheep, four parts, doesn't respond to the, um, to the lions, doesn't respond to the dogs, doesn't respond to the lady Umishiao. And then she gets to the talking lock. Talking lock starts again, um, just like berating her, chatting shit, mm. everything. No, nothing doing. So the talking lot just gets tired. Say, okay, I, I, when will I rest? Um, I just, I just, I, I'm tired of all of the things. But she's more, she's more clever than her brother. She still doesn't respond to that. She doesn't get out of it. She does. She's got good temperament. She's, she's patient. And when it gets tired, it just walks in. She opens this cage. She has a cage. The talking lot walks in. She closes it. The moment she captures the talking lot, all of the people that's petrified, that like that curse is lifted, and so. All of these people like thank her, but none of them recognize her. Her brother is right next to her because mm. he was right next to her talking up. He doesn't recognize her because she's um, she's dressed as a man. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's a crying stranger. Thank you. I'm your sister. Like idiot, dumbass. Like I'm your sister. Yeah. Um, she then she asks him the question of why did you respond to the talking lark? And the brother said. It's, it's God's will. <laughs> Just God, God ordained it. Finally, the two of them, they they leave the field, the, the garden of Umshiao. And then as they're leaving, the talking lark says, okay, well done, you've captured me. When you get back to your palace, tell the king that you're gonna host a massive feast, a massive party. Tell him to invite everyone, everybody. Everyone in his retinue, every like all of his all of his palace hands. Tell him to, make sure you tell him to bring the handmaiden of his of his wife from all of those years ago so they they host this party at their palace everyone comes and the king asks why are you hosting this party and a clever muhammad says i'm hosting it for this um this bird this talking lark and then the talking like, that that the king is like that's strange but you do you um the talking lark then asks the king have you ever known uh, oh wait actually the talking lark also tells the the king to bring like his children as well the the dogs yeah, yeah, the oh, dog, yeah, yeah. yeah. so they like the king brings them they're dressed in the finest silks because as far as he knows this is god's gift to him um the talking lark says to the king that um when have you ever known for a king to beget dogs and cats yeah. as his offspring um the king just like sighs and says it's god's will Okay, I, I, we don't we don't know God's will in the mouth. Um, yeah. Then the talking lark just says to the king that, um, okay, um, bring your handmaiden and um, and just just ask her a question about the um, the rearing of your children. And as the handmaiden comes on stage, she is trembling with fear. Mm. She is, like, and the moment she gets up, she didn't even wait for anyone to say anything. She said, it wasn't my fault. It was the aunts. They they uh, they told me to bring the the babies the moment they're born. She she she, she sang like a canary. Mm -hmm. um, so the king was. I can imagine. I, I can imagine. Yeah. He tells. Must me. be picking up poop. <laughs> yes. Like so, everyone is here. So everyone is like uh, their subterfuge is exposed to everyone. Um, then the king says on stage that if you like all of my people, if you love the prophet, the prophet Muhammad, if you're people who love the prophet you will set these two on fire. And on that stage, the two um, the two aunts were set on fire. The family was reunited, everything. Wow. And 
Yeah, so that is the story of the promises of the freezes. I promise you, it had everything. It had um, jealous aunts. It had yeah. um, it had like Moses type things. Yeah, it had everything. Disney needs to buy the copyright to that because that was that was a that lot. Was a lot. That, that could that be a could series. Be, yeah, yeah. Like, like a mini movie at least. Yeah, it could even like Hercules. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's that that was amazing. That was an amazing story, yeah. guys. That was an amazing story. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of parts with like it's a it's very much steeped in Islamic tradition. So God's will bears heavy and is present throughout. Yeah. Um, God's blessings, uh, like it's and also just the fact of the like the. Um, disparity and I don't, I don't actually just the the ways in which men and women like move through the world as well. It's just it's got everything, and I and I love it for that. It's a really that good story. It's is, is beautiful. Yeah, no, um, that was a amazing story. Amazing from story from David. We should definitely have more guests on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so David had to leave. Um, get the train really quickly. Yeah. but yeah, thank you to our first guest, David, um, for sharing that story. Amazing, we love it. Round of applause. <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode about Anansi. We hope you took something away from it. Yeah, um, um, yeah. basically trick people and. <laughs> And you'll you know, get you you'll get, get all the stories and wisdoms and everything, you know. <laughs> there is no good moral of this story, but you know, some might disagree with it. Um, <laughs> but yes, thanks again for listening this far. If you have, um, please, please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, subscribe to our review, podcast. Yeah, all of that. Engage, with engage us. with us. It helps us to know that you know that you're listening listening. and you love it um (laughs) so yeah we'll definitely love to hear from you yeah um and if there's any interesting stories about anansi that you want to tell us yeah let us know know, and you know know. we'll mention it um but until next time yeah we we have have been been your host host, solomon and adron adron solomon and you know yeah and thank you (laughs) this has been episode seven of art mythos african mythology told told through art art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to that all the time.